Welcome. Welcome. Everyone. <laughs> back yes. to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined. You've already heard his tones, his dulcet, dulcet tones. Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm good. I was trying to do that Saturday Night Live thing that uh, they do when they're just rambling and they're trying to talk at the same time. Yeah, you just uh, kind of emphasize. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm okay. I'm 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 actually oh, oh okay. Oh, you're um, totally fine with sports being canceled. Well, I'm I'm trying to be upbeat, Dave. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that about you. I mean, it's it's most people who are even decent fans are starting to feel a, a massive void in their lives. <laughs> yeah. I, I think as I mean, not only because it's obviously tied into my job, but just from your whole life kind of thing. I, I, I got to admit, I'm a big college sports fan. Not that into the NBA or in the NFL. Hard for me. Hard for me to watch an entire NBA game. I watched I watched the first Lakers uh, Clippers game. Uh, I don't know. I just it's it's hard for me. Uh, I, I can watch some NFL. Uh, professional baseball. Yeah. Tough. Uh, so college football and basketball are just so much more watchable. Don't you think? I mean, for me, but that's kind of a choice thing. Um, so just in case you were hiding under a rock uh, earlier this week, Pac-12 and the Big Ten um, announced within about an hour of each other that they are postponing football um, to the spring, and then the Pac-12 went one step further and uh, postponed or canceled all athletic competition before the end of the year. So, Did, Do you think they knew what they were doing on that? Uh, it sounds like it blindsided some people, so I'm not entirely sure they knew. Um, and, and it just happened to be the way they worded it, and then they went, oops, we might as well go with that? I mean, I think I think it was probably something that there that was recommended and then wasn't communicated to the right people. And um, having followed Larry Scott's career now for uh, close to a decade, um, I don't think he cares one way or another about the implications, um, but I don't think it was communicated down the line correctly. Um, because obviously... <laughs> It, it sounds like the basketball news caught a lot of people off guard. Um, so I think there was some some miss in the communications at best. Uh, but anyway, that means for UCLA's purposes, the football season, if it happens, will happen in the spring or I guess potentially in the winter. Um, and basketball, if it starts at any point, it will start after the new year. Um, so not great, Bob. <laughs> are we into directly addressing specific bro listeners now no that was just a little uh a little madman little madman for you oh bob yeah i remember bob not great bob yeah not uh, great bob um so this was obviously something that i think we both anticipated um I, I don't think either of us thought it would happen exactly this quickly um, we were talking last week, and I went back and listened, and you had them going basically a week into fall camp. I had them not starting fall camp, but I was not thinking it was going to be essentially four days later that it would all be over. It sounds like the Big Ten um, started to push things a little bit over the weekend. The Pac-12 kind of got the hint. They did their own medical stuff. They had their own medical advisors giving them some information about this myocarditis um, that is a potential risk um based off even asymptomatic covid um and the unknowns sound like they were a big part of the decision making process and forced them or i guess pushed them to make a decision um this week so what that means is so uh, we know what it means for the big 10 and for the pac-12 what it means for the other leagues i think there's a lot of happy talk right now that all those leagues are going to continue to play and do their fall competitions. Um, but there was a lot of happy talk a week ago that the PAC 12 and the big 10 were going to do the same. Um, I think it still remains to be seen. 
Um, I think there's a very political reason why they might decide not to announce that they're canceling for several weeks and then ultimately cancel anyway um, to assuage their fan bases, um, to show them that they did everything they could, all yada, yada, yada. Um, But I still think there's a very real possibility that nobody's playing college football this fall. What do you think of the chances that, let's say, the SEC, ACC, Big 12 play? Uh, I would I would put it at way more than 50-50 that they don't. Um, I think ultimately it's going to be lawyers making the decision like I was talking about last week. Um, I think the liability, especially now that the reason the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are canceling is an expressly medical concern. Like they have now said, we don't know about this thing. This is a known risk factor and we are going to opt to operate cautiously. Um, I think that, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that opens up um, these other leagues if something bad were to happen to potential gross negligence claims, which in a lot of states, you can't just liability waiver those away. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I agree with you. I, I think it's a, a, a matter of, of time. It's It's very interesting that the South generally – is the place where they're going to hold out, as you said, for maybe political reasons. And I think there's been a, a couple of little flare-ups. Didn't Florida State, didn't some players there today? Yeah, but they've had an ongoing issue with Mike Norvell. I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. related to the current thing, but I think that's – there's a lot of player unrest generally. Um, like even the Trevor Lawrence thing, I mean, if you ultimately looked at what he tweeted out, cause he was the one of the ones who was like, Hey, we want to play. Well, he then kind of tweeted out a lot of the same demands that were from the, we are United group, at least as related to, um, COVID. Uh, so I still, there's still so many hoops that you have to jump through to get to a season. Like they have to get through, um, any kind of player revolt, you know, players saying, no, actually, we're not going to play until you decide to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I think if players in mass are asked to sign liability waivers, they might balk at that. And if you don't have the liability waiver, I, in some of these states, I think you can maybe wave away gross negligence. It's not all of them. Um, but if you have those liability waivers, maybe that gives you an added sense of security. But if you don't, um, I just I don't know how insurance is going to underwrite this. I don't know how lawyers are going to sign off on it for the potential damages. I just think it's going to end up being a sticky money issue, um, as right. most things become. Um, and there's other stuff that has to happen. You know, they have to go through the next month without having an outbreak on any of these teams, right? Where right. they can actually get through a fall camp. Um, so for all the same reasons that the Pac-12 and Big Ten eventually decided to close down. I think these other leagues will as well. Um, it just is going to take longer because the constituencies in those areas are much less supportive of uh, what the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 just did. Um, they're much more behind the, you know, as a group, much more behind the, this is no big deal, let's move on. Um, and it's just, you know, I think getting past that, that'll take some time. And and just to like put it on a calendar for you all, I, the Big 12 and the SEC still uh, their schedule as as it stands uh, the season won't start until late September like September 26th the yeah, ACC, the, yeah, ACC the, on the other hand is September 7th September 10th I think is the most oh, is recent it? one yeah that's the okay. Thursday September 10th um, that would be the first game so it's about a month um, till then and so that'll you know Things will shake out more, but it also, they've got some lead up time to show that they tried to make it through camp, show that they tried to give it a real go. Um, and that'll do something to assuage their, you know, probably very vocal booster groups and fan bases and the local politicians, um, who, I mean, this, I, I don't love talking about politics on this thing, but it has become a little bit of a political football. You know, the Donald Trump has weighed in on this subject. Governors of these states have weighed in on this subject. Local politicians have weighed in on the subject. So it's not just a, you know, decision within the confines of the university or the league. It is bigger than that. Um, so, so someone needs to use that headline. Foot, college football is a political football. Yeah, exactly. The political football. Um, that's what this fall season will be called. The political football. And, um, and then from a Pac-12 standpoint... Yeah. Um, 
the most, well, one of the biggest impacts immediately is let's say you're an NFL level player and you're kind of convinced that maybe the A, the SEC is going to play its season. You're a, you've graduated. Would you, would you transfer? I don't, because uh, yeah, you're, yeah, I mean, maybe on a one-off or a two-off scale, it'll work. But you got to remember, they've got to stay within the eighty-five, and these rosters are mostly set in all these um, other. And some of these programs. Wait, Dave, are... you mean there there are programs that that fill their eighty-five? <laughs> I know, I know. And That's there's going to be there there are openings, but also the, a lot of these teams have already broken camp. Like they're already deep into it, and. Anybody who comes in, if these teams are following any sort of protocol, they're going to have to go through a two-week, you know, quarantine, right? Um, yeah, I don't think that's that much if you're an NFL aspirant that you want a season and you don't specifically want to stay with your program if they're going to be having any kind of conflict with, an, with the NFL draft or combine. Uh, and it's, it's, I think any program out there, an SEC program, would take Osa Adigazua. If this was happening a month ago, I would put more stock in it. But we're we're talking six weeks out at latest from the scheduled start of their fake seasons that aren't going to happen. Uh, That's the thing, too. Can you imagine? You do that, and then the season doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine the misinformation someone one of these kids might get? Yeah. When he considers doing that, and they're telling him they are absolutely going to have a season, and he considers doing it, and then they all cancel. And I think Anoso Digazua is a really interesting example because um, I think he's an NFL prospect. I don't think he's a top tier NFL prospect. So he's got a lot of different weird considerations. Yes. Uh, Because if there is spring football, he's one of those fringe guys who would almost have to play because he's got to put more film out there. Yep. But he's a fringe NFL prospect, which means he would also want to participate in all of that offseason draft stuff. Um, in the lead up to the draft. And so if there's not some agreement and it's going to be complicated now, the NFL draft, I think if all the leagues had operated in concert and said, hey, we're not going to play until next year at the earliest, the NFL draft would be more predisposed to delay, right? To delay all that whole thing, like have the senior bowl in April and have whatever. Um, But with only two leagues switching over for now, um, are they going to delay the draft? And if they don't delay the draft and if they don't delay the process, you're going to have a guy like Osa or any number of people. I'm just picking him out of a hat. Um, but any number of guys who are going to be in this weird limbo where they're good enough probably to play in the NFL, make a team, get drafted in the fifth or sixth round or something like that. But they could raise their stock quite a bit with a really good final season of college. And it's just going to be such a weird thing. And it's going to be especially weird if other leagues play, because all the guys yeah. who play are going to have higher stock, uh, except for the true superstars, because there's another year of film on them. There's another year of information on them. Um, and, and when it comes to the NFL, like you said, the NFL doesn't care about college football anyway. They're going to do what they want. They don't listen to college sports much. And if they have a divided college football where there are some uh, conferences that are playing and some that aren't, that's even a bigger reason for them to just say, we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, it's only if they operated in concert with everyone doing the exact same thing that they could negotiate with the NFL because they could say, hey, look, you're not going to have updated film on any of these guys if you don't let us play our season in the spring and you delay your draft a month or two. Um, Right. You could maybe pitch them on that. You're not going to be able to pitch them on that from the Mountain West, um, uh, Pac-12, Big Ten, and whoever else is canceled now. Um, One other thing that I find... I mean, there are so many issues about the, the Pac-12 canceling its season while other conferences are still thinking they're playing. Uh, a recruiting advantage or disadvantage for UCLA Pac-12 coaches if this actually happens. I, I mean, if you're a recruit and you're deciding between a Pac-12 school and an, and a conference that's uh, school and a conference that's playing, I, I mean. You'll get to see the team play in fall, but you won't be able to go to the game. Whereas you might, if they play in spring, the Pac-12, they might you might actually be able to go to a game, which could have a big influence on a decision. Plus, college coaches will have a lot more time that aren't playing their seasons will have a lot more time to recruit. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, if they're allowed ever, and I think they're going to open it up, I, I would be a little surprised if the NCAA doesn't allow college football coaches to go out to watch high school games this fall in states that are playing their seasons. Because that's an easily distanced thing you could do. You can stand on the sideline with a mask, stand pretty far away from each other outside. Um, so I could actually see that happening. And, you know, it, it's tough when you're playing a season, actually, sometimes for coaches to get out on the road like that. You know, let's say you're on a road game and you've got to go see some kid in a faraway state. A lot easier if you're not playing your season to be able to go out and, and see kids play. So kind of an interesting dynamic there. I just wanted to bring in the recruiting angle on it, too. Um, so many things that it just opens up so much you know, potential scenarios to, to think about. Um, yeah, I think there's um, there's potential for advantage um, for the Pac-12 and Big Ten if the other leagues don't decide to flip to the spring. Um, but it's only if the NCAA cooperates. But you could see a scenario where guys come in early and then, hey, you get to play in the season that starts at the end of, April, uh, end of February or beginning of March. Yeah. Um, like, you could see that as a pitch. Um now, the NCAA would have to be bending over backwards to make that happen, um, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that. Uh, but that's something you could pitch. But I don't see the the real disadvantage is potentially in transfers, as you mentioned, um, and that we'll probably know a lot more in the next week or two because anything that's going to happen like that is going to have to happen really quickly. Um, but the recruiting, I think, is a wash. And if not, maybe even a slight advantage to the Pac-12 and Big Ten. Yeah, uh, and when you're talking about those um, transfers, uh, if you all watched the Zoom call with Chip Kelly and uh, Martin Jarman, I asked Chip about uh, UCLA's grad transfers. Uh, the ones that are enrolled, the four of them, he said he feels they're all good. They're just like any other scholarship player. They're, you know, going to more than likely hang on like every other guy to play in spring. I then tried to sneak in a little kind of sly question about, Hey coach, how about that? If just hypothetically, if there was a grad transfer from an FCS school that was transferring to UCLA to um, make sure he played his fall season, like what would be the potential scenario for him? Um, Chip actually, Chip actually chuckled at that. I, I, I sensed a chuckle where he said, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that hypothetical situation. But I'm talking about Paul Gratan, the offensive line transfer, grad transfer from Villanova, who is not enrolled yet, has not been admitted into a UCLA grad program. Uh, yesterday, Thursday, we published a story with an interview with him, and he he did tell us that he was – even though he left Villanova to come to UCLA to have more of a chance to play in fall, and now that UCLA doesn't have a fall season, he's still sticking with UCLA. And, and I trust him that he's saying that, absolutely, but there is still an element that he could turn around and, <laughs> and go play in the SEC. But then again, we're getting back to the whole thing of the SEC eventually shutting down their fall season too. So yeah, I don't think there's a ton of certainty right now. Um, and there's nothing, really nothing I'm seeing from the ACC, SEC, or Big 12 that's a whole lot different from what the Pac-12 and Big 10 were saying a week or two ago. Um, it, and it sounded like to me, Paul Gratan, he just wanted to go see a Pacific Coast beach, if you read that story. He's, uh, he's never been west of the Mississippi. So, um, so there's that. Uh, the other thing... Uh, we, we touched on um, was how this is affecting Pac-12 college basketball. And we've talked about it before because we just like saying bubble up. But the prospect of college basketball using a bubble scenario to, to um, get through its season, it's really interesting. I've talked to a number of coaches and uh, athletic director ed administrators 
who are all downplaying the bubble scenario. They're citing some weird, even, even our guy, uh, Larry Scott said, unlike professional sports, college sports cannot operate in a bubble. Our athletic programs are part of a broader campus campuses in communities where many cases where many, I don't know, the prevalence of COVID-19 is significant, which you think would lend itself to bubbling, but there's something about pres- no, no, no. They it's, think- it's the inequity. It's what I was talking about when we yeah, were talking about the this inequity. last time. I, it's the I inequity. I absolutely, absolutely get it. But their explanation of it is really lame. <laughs> they don't want and- to get into the action. So they want to operate in this fake reality where no one would ever even think to consider that these guys are unpaid labor. Um, they wanted yeah. to say, well, you know, they're in a campus environment because they are just regular students and we couldn't possibly treat regular students different from another set of regular students. Come on. And I've been told by someone, uh, in the know that said, uh, uh, uh mini bubbles are a possibility, even though they're just not even for, for, um, basketball are a possibility, but they're just not, just not there yet. And you know, mini bubbles maybe being a week or a half week where you go in and play a round robin kind of thing. But Dave, I mean, could they pull that off when they're coming from this from this one stance that we've heard them all say? Do you think they could pull off mini bubbles? No. Well, and there's no point in doing a mini bubble. Um, the whole point, the whole thing with the bubble is you go through a quarantine period um, and you like to make sure that nobody is bringing the virus in. How do you do that in a mini scenario? You can't shorten the time frame. So what, you're going to have a mini bubble every month for like a series of games and then take a month off? Or have another two-week acclimatization? I mean, it's just... I guess they're thinking any bubble situation where you do have time where they are locked down is better than nothing, than always having them able to be out socializing. Well... Then we're getting into the same issue again, which is... That's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no way. There's no way for a lot of reasons. First, a mini bubble isn't like... uh, The efficacy is very low. And second, yeah, you run into the same inequity issue. Um, So you don't think college basketball is going to be played? I don't think it's going to be played. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I think all of this this is is potentially going to happen if... Uh, the pandemic comes under control. So you could have a basketball season that starts in January if the pandemic gets better. Um, and you could have what? none of this happen at all through next fall if the pandemic doesn't get better. There's a reality on the ground that has nothing to do. I mean, you can all rearrange deck chairs as much as you want in college athletics. But the reality is 55,000 people are still coming down with this thing in a reported way every day in this country. So if that continues, no, you can't have any of this stuff. And the SEC, if they do start playing, they're going to stop after a week. You just you can't do it. Um, not so in the amateur are, sports for sure. The, what do you think are the chances that uh, COVID nineteen is under control? Let's first say in any kind of college basketball season scenario by January first, they could push that back to, I mean, at least February. Starting I think of the I, I think so. I I feel much more optimistic about a late winter, early spring um, pandemic being a lot better for a variety of reasons. Um, I I think, and this isn't even like I think just a change in administration, if there is one, is a potentiality that I'm just thinking of a national lockdown. The likelihood of that happening with the current situation is very low. Um, and that's one of the prereqs for actually controlling this pandemic would be a six week national lockdown. Um, barring that a vaccine. Well, it sounds like that could happen, you know, late quarter one, early quarter two next year in a real way. Okay. That's another thing. That's another positive potential positivity. And then just general people getting better about managing it. Maybe there's that, something better more therapeutics. Yeah. Maybe right? there's something more to this T cell immunity, um, that keeps getting yeah. banded about that. Maybe you do reach herd immunity at 20 or 30% of the population. That seems like it's a, it's a possibility. Um, we're not close to there yet. We're about halfway there, I think, from the latest um, serological studies. But we're getting closer. 
So maybe that happens. That would be kind of horrifying because that'll mean a lot more people are getting sick and dying. But maybe we get there. But a lot of things can happen by February or March. Even by January, if if some things, just some crazy things break right, maybe they do summon the will to do another national lockdown. Um, but there's a, I'm optimistic that this will get figured out by spring because, frankly, Tracy, I'm, I'm going to lose my entire mind if we don't. So <laughs> it's going to have to happen one way or another. Um, no, you might as well base it on that. So many other people the majority of people are basing their opinions on their own personal wants and desires. Well, that's the thing is so no, but mine is like a very absolute fact. Either it gets better or my or brain or my brain breaks and I okay. go live in, you know, my my dream state where things are better. Either way, it's better. Would it be that bad option B? No. No, at this point, I'd take it in a heartbeat. The way you said that, it sounded almost like oh, my voice broke a little bit because the odds, the the, the like the 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 desire I have for that is just out of control. Um, so Tracy, yes, um, I think there are a few ways it could work. Um, I I did the math actually, and if everything did get better by the end of December, a basketball schedule. That's just conference play, but a true round robin home and away series against every single Pac-12 school, where you play each guy, each team two times, and you play a 22 game schedule. You can get that in before the scheduled start of the NCAA tournament, um, if you start the first weekend of January. So, if you just push the NCAA tournament back a month, you could do that the first weekend of February. Um, I don't know that you're going to reschedule a bunch of non-conference. You could probably get, you know, you can get Northridge on the schedule whenever you want. Um, so maybe they could get it up to 25 or something if they, but this is all, it's all contingent on the pandemic getting figured out. Um, if it doesn't get figured out, they're not going to do anything. But um, if it does, there's a lot of wiggle room to get it done in a normal time frame. You know, maybe it extends the NCAA tournament a couple of weeks, but that's not an end all for anybody. Like that's not a big deal for the NBA. They'll they'll work with the college basketball NCAA tournament with that respect because it's just changing the deadlines, really, because the draft doesn't happen until June. Um, so. I think the one element in here, too, that we're kind of overlooking a little, I, I think one major factor is college sports wants to put uh, games on the field and court that are going to include fans. Uh, and I think that's an underlying pressure. Uh, they, I don't think they can envision games without fans. Um, the SEC, ACC, are fans going to be? Let's say they go through with their football season. Are fans going to be at those games? I mean, they're talking a good game about it, but yeah. Uh... So I think that's also something that pertains to some of the discussion about basketball is not only play and, and why they're a little bit anti-bubble is because bubbles don't include fans. They want fans in it. They, that's, they see, I, I will go out on a limb and say, I've been told this, the money isn't necessarily, it's not worth putting a season mounting, like even a college basketball season for the money you're necessarily going to get, I think, to do that risk unless they do something close to a full season. I've been kind of told that. So, And that includes fans. Um, I think any college basketball season, don't you think, will include fans? I don't. Really? Yeah, no. I mean, I think it'll be um, – I just don't see the situation being good enough for it to have happened by then. I could see it being good enough to play, um, but to allow a mass gathering of thousands of people? No, I don't. See I don't. That I, I personally don't see that. But I'm saying what I think they're going to be thinking: that if they greenlight a season, it's going to be with fans. I don't think that's going to be a prereq um, because there is still a lot of money in just having televised games. Like, if they could do it in a silo where there is absolutely no stadium and it's just a field or a court, I think they would if they could televise it because, I mean, there's a lot of money in the TV deal. I, uh, I completely see that, too, and I agree. But there's an underlying sentiment among all of this 
about fans, and we're not seeing it addressed that much anymore. Remember at the beginning, it was all about, well, will fans go? Will they distance? Are there going to be 15,000 people in the Rose Bowl? And now we don't hear about it anymore. Well, we don't because um, it's all graduated risk stuff. So that was in mid-June or early June when things were looking great. You know, everything was trending down. Things, Well, not great. Things were looking better. Everything was trending down. Um, and so the conversation wasn't even, oh, are we going to have college football? It's how many people can we fit in the stands safely? Um, and then that, I mean, I remember Gene Smith, the Ohio State AD, saying, oh, yeah, we're going to try to get 50% of the fans in here. Okay. Well, fast forward a month, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's no way we can have fans. Um, we're just going to try to get a season in. Uh, and then you fast forward a month, and they cancel the season. Uh, this is something interesting, I think, about the SEC and the ACC and the uh, and the Big 12, is that they're still having the fan conversation right now. It's like they're a month behind. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time before they figure it out, too. But I think coming out of that, um, it's going to have to look at least as good as it looked in early June and we're going to have to get way down for that to happen over the course of what is going to be flu season. Um, you know, where it won't be as easy to diagnose this stuff because they're going to be like, well, you might have the flu. You might have this. You might just have pneumonia. We don't really know. You might have it all. You might have everything. Um, and I don't know how much that's going to change the treatment. I am not a doctor as well as not a lawyer. Um, but it complicates things and it's going to make emergency rooms and urgent cares and all this stuff more full, um, which look, it's going to be bad. I mean, the CDC came out today and said, Hey, we're going to have a bad fall, everyone. Um, and I, I think we just can't estimate what that's going to look like, but I can say, I think pretty definitively that unless we get one of those three things I was talking about earlier, a national lockdown, a vaccine or way better, you know, therapeutics and, or, um, you know, what have you, uh, it's not going to look good enough to have fans in the stands. What did he say? The worst fall in the history of U.S. public health. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about something else. But you don't want to continue talking about the worst fall in the history of United States public health. I think, I think I went about, I think I scraped bottom right there. So, um, everyone wants to talk about how all this affects, the status of chip kelly does everyone want to talk about that yeah it's on the forum dave dave that forum thing hey i've been been posting away i've been posting away despite the consternation of a few of our subscribers i've been posting away i've got my you know what i want to say i appreciate everyone making an uh, it's very easily recognizable when the posters are making an effort to stay within the boundaries of those forum rules. And I think that's happening more and more. Um, I've even like paid attention to the guidelines a little bit more. A bit. And I want to give a shout out to our friend Calabruin. Just owning. Owning, owning the field. I would buy him five dinners. I, you know what? I got to send him. I'm going to send him a dinner. Because man, the moderating job that guy's doing. He's a phenomenal human being. In my life, he's like third favorite guy right now, person right now. Yeah. Um, but Chip Kelly's status uh, does. Let's just throw this out to you, Dave. Um, playing well. Let me give you a little bit of information too. Um, I've heard if they do play a spring season, they're not almost certainly not bringing back the non-conference games. It will be uh, conference-only schedule. And it very well could be shortened to an eight-game conference schedule to try to wedge that sucker right into some kind of spring scheduling can, scenario. Can, can we side note that real quick and just because sure. the the conversation about the spring schedules is driving me absolutely insane. Okay, just from this standpoint, I'm not going off on the spring schedule tangent. I'm saying in relation to no, no, I'm, I'm with you on this, but get get okay. just. It's okay. fine. A spring schedule is okay. going to be fine. It's going to okay. be fine. The schedule is going to work. You just delay the fall a little bit. It's going to be fine. Stop doing the thing where you just say the thing you last heard on sports radio that there's no way a spring can work because they're still upset that the fall's not happening. It'll be fine. You have six months. You, you go whatever. February to April, you take six months off and you start the next season October, November. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't let that stress you out. 
There can totally be a spring season. Stop saying that on Twitter. It can happen. So what do you think is behind Urban Meyer's? He was drunk on a yacht. He was on a yacht drinking, and he was just asked to say something. And he said some stuff. Like, uh, he's not God. But he's motivated by some reason. All of these people are emotional. They're emotional. They're football people. They're all emotional. They're all upset that this thing that has never happened before is happening, and they're lashing out. Think rationally. So normally you have eight months between the end of one season and the start of another at most. Alabama never does. They've got six and a half. Okay. Well, translate that six and a half for everyone this year. Okay, everyone has to run on Alabama's schedule. And guess what? You get to do it without a spring. You don't even have to do the off-season practices. You get six months with no off-season practice. You don't think you can recover in that time? Bama does it every year with a spring practice. Um, I, I like our tangent. I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, Tracy. I'm just saying. In relation to Chip Kelly, my point would be that He's not getting those non-conference games. He's playing in spring. I think it makes it harder for him to post a winning record. Uh, just my take. I, for the, 2000, the 2021 spring season. And then we're back at the 2021 fall season, which we all have to think might be one of the hardest schedules in recent UCLA football history. Uh, with the rotation, they get Oregon and Washington back, along with road games against SC, Stanford, and Utah, and a non-conference game against LSU. A well-rested LSU if they play in the fall, too. <laughs> and that, uh, after two losing seasons, and Chip Kelly, um, his contract is a five-year contract. The buyout ends at the end of the fourth year of the contract. Now, by the contract's date, that is January 15th, 2022. Obviously, even though the season ends November 2021. Um, From what I know, given, we all know about, you know, (laughs) UCLA Athletics, uh, um, the financial situation that they're in right now um pretty cash strapped i guess we could say um i don't see it really happening that they would move to fire chip kelly unless they could get out from under that buyout um before that date i don't know how they would do it i think there's enough donor fatigue that the donors aren't going to pitch in uh maybe chip himself would have to be motivated to want to get out and negotiate the buyout, but why? (laughs) Um, So I think even if it's a really bad spring season, um, I think we're still getting a fall 2021 season with Chip Kelly as UCLA's head coach. Now, what happens in that season will be critical, and that's the tough season. And let's just say – Let's just say they don't play the spring 2021 season. That get, that's a chance for him to maybe even go five and five or something to, to just erase a little bit of the bad taste in the mouth of seven and 17. Without that, the bad taste continues, or it could get worse if he posts a losing record. But that 2021 fall season will, will be key. Well, um, then, so this is interesting. If it's January 15th, 2022, right? I'm going to tell you, I know your question and I'll answer it. What they would do is, which would be a little bit awkward, um, they would have to tell him he's going to be fired in on January 16th, 2022. And we are going to prorate your salary. Uh, and you can just take it and leave now. Or we're just going to wait to announce it on January 16th while we look for another coach. No, no, that was not my question. Oh, damn. Okay, I've got sorry. a better one. Okay, good. Uh, the extreme likelihood that if there is a spring season, uh, the fall season is going to be offset, meaning yes. that it extends beyond November. And in fact, there's a really good chance, I think, if they offset it the way I was talking about earlier, where, say, the spring season goes through the end of April. 
Yeah. Uh, I think there's a real chance the season doesn't start until November or December. And in that scenario, you're good to go because you can fire him midseason. You can fire yeah. him after whatever game you have on January 10th. Um, yeah, that's true. So there's, I think, a lot of moving parts here. Um, and I also think, but going back on that a little bit, there's also a chance that the fall 2021 season is also not a full season, that it's, again, just a conference season. True. Um, because if they do have to delay it and the SEC does go forward with playing this fall, completes a full season, and then is intending to play its normal schedule in fall next year, uh, and they're not willing to work with the Pac-12 or Big Ten to continue those non-conference matchups, it could be a full two cycles before the Pac-12, Big Ten, and the other three line up again. I think I that's a reasonable scenario. Yeah. I and, I, yeah. And but that's the only way that happens is if the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve go through this season unscathed, don't try to punt any of the games until the spring, and then they decide that they're too good to line up their already scheduled non-conference matchups with these other leagues, and then they just go forward with whatever schedule they have on tap. Um, so basically, will they be up to negotiations at all to delay their seasons until October next year? We'll see. Okay, so in the in this in the light of what I'm talking about here about Chip Kelly, let's say they do in fall make it a conference only schedule, right? Fall 2021. Look, yeah, I, yes, they're not playing the ALSU game, but they're also not playing the Hawaii and the Fresno State game. So, which you would hang, think hang would on, be Tracy. We're talking yeah. about two different things because it's a foregone conclusion that UCLA is going to lose enough games over the next two years to fire Chip Kelly. I'm like, just trying, I don't need to build that case jump, anymore. I've been building that case for two years. But everyone listening to us wants to know, wants okay, the details everyone, of how Everyone, everyone, everyone. Chip Kelly's UCLA, it's bad. It's real bad. Uh, the recruiting's pretty bad, but man, that on-field play, that's really bad. And they're not going to be good. Sorry, there's a lot of reasons for it. We've talked about them a lot. And you know, just to counter Dave here, just I, I just want to say this, and this is kind of a disclaimer, but not really. All of this gloom and doom about Chip Kelly could absolutely be swept away just by him doing what? Winning, maybe? Winning winning some football games. Winning some football games. I mean, he's the one who said you're only as good as your record. I mean, if you if he posts four losing seasons in a row, I think given his own admonition, he'd have to say, yeah, he really shouldn't be at UCLA. So we're, we're in an unprecedented place where – We've got a coach who started out his his tenure at UCLA with two losing seasons. Uh, uh, Carl Durrell started with two not great seasons, but one was six and six, and it wasn't. He was twelve and thirteen, and he wasn't seven and seventeen. And then the next year, you know what that was? That was the ten and two. Ten and so, two, baby. So I mean, we are talking about this. Because we're basing this all on not what we want, not what we're going overboard to try to. It's literally based on a scenario of two losing seasons to start his tenure at UCLA. And it not necessarily looking really good to give you a a lot of confidence going forward. But even just based on what's happened. So if you think we're going a little bit too doom and gloom, we're not. We're basing it on precedent and what's happened here so i just had to say that to be able to kind of rationalize your your own personal doom and gloom it's not doom and gloom this is just a honest just pure like vulcan like you know just pure objectivity uh assessment of what i see on the field there's not a single emotion not a single voice, emotion associated with it. There's emotion in your voice, so you're you're like the human side of Spock. I'm right getting now. angry. I'm getting yeah. a little angry. Yeah. Two, despite what you think, we have people on Bro that are on both sides of every fence. Have we not learned that? We there were two there were two fences with Steve Alford. I mean, two sides of the fence for Steve Alford. I actually think there is even less of a divide on Chip Kelly, though. I think like, you're the, wrong. The Alford, the, the Alford let thing. Tell, let me tell you this, Dave. I get the emails and the private messages of a, a good chunk of people who are, I wouldn't say the majority, but a silent, at least a silent, considerable minority that say, I just want you to know I don't like the basic doom and gloom. I'm 
supporting the, the team and supporting Chip Kelly. There are a lot of guys out there who right now it's overwhelming on the forum and they feel overwhelmed and they're getting shouted down. Yeah, yeah but so I guess what I'm saying is, that. I guess what I'm saying is when Alford yeah. was, you know, in a similar position a couple years in where it was like, okay, come on, this is garbage. You had to divide the message board into two entirely different message boards because there were so many people on each side of the fence. The reason it's dominating the football board is because it's like 90-10 right now. Like, people get it. They get the situation as it is. And they've the thing is... And, it, and wait, I just want to say, and, and honestly, what I'm saying is, understandably... Steve Alford, even though we recognize he, he was not a good He won some games. Outset, he won some games. He won the Pac-12 tournament his first year. Yeah, I mean, no. They won some games. Chip Kelly is 7-17. Seven and 17. I mean, no matter how optimistic you're going to be, you have to concede there isn't a lot for you to be optimistic about. It, and I completely respect anyone who has hope. Hope yeah. is a great thing. But it's not necessarily based on fact or real history. And if we base it on that, there isn't a great deal of hope. He hasn't won. He hasn't shown he can win. Steve Alford at least did. Steve Lavin did. And as I said, Carl Durrell did more. 12, 12 wins in his first two years and then 10-2. and two. Carl Durrell. Yeah. So... Everyone out there, I know you want to be positive, but you have to concede that Dave, myself, and even some of those guys that can go overboard on the forum have some validity in what in what we're all talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I said that really well. What do you think? You nailed it. Um, so anyway, yeah, they'll uh, they'll be in a position – I think based on those two seasons to um, call it a day. Um, and, but uh, so much is going to depend on timing um, and what goes on and whether there even is a spring season and just yada, yada, yada. There'll be a lot of factors that play into it, uh, including the state of the worldwide pandemic. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because I know you're going to just take a, a larger perspective, but do you think it behooves Chip Kelly to play a spring season or not? Um, I don't think it really matters. Um, if they don't play a spring season, I think the likelihood of them playing a full and on schedule fall season is much more likely. Um, so I, I think one way or another, they're going to lose a lot of games, right? Uh, because the fall 2021 season includes a lot of games that they're they've got a pretty good chance of losing. Um, and uh, spring-only conference season I don't see as being uh, great. I mean, as we talked about last week when we thought the 10-game schedule might still have a chance of happening, we were both saying like 3-7 and seven or 4-6. and six. Um, So I don't see much way of them winning a lot. So I don't think it really matters either way. He's not going to get fired after spring. So if he wants to, I don't know, use it, I, I, what I could totally see Chip Kelly doing is using the spring as a fake season. Like, oh, we're just going to workshop some things and then have Could it ready he really for the fall. do that now, given the criticism? It's, I mean, if, every... it's a, if it's a six or eight game season, yeah, he 100% could. Oh, my God. I, all I'm thinking is how we're going to manage that forum if that actually, if the, it's a eight game season and he workshop and we come away with the feeling that he workshopped it and, and he went two and six. <laughs> Honestly, I'd respect it at that point. That would be incredible. I, you know what? You're absolutely right. He's sticking with his game plan, and he's not – that would be Chip Kelly, that he's not giving in to pressure and saying, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do, and I've got my plan. I'm going to – I need to work out these schemes and this one <laughs> – this 14 personnel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and see how it works just because it's going to pay off later. And, oh, damn, I lost that game because of that. But, I, I mean, you're right. You're right. You nailed it. That was the biggest takeaway from this entire podcast. Yeah. We would respect Chip Kelly more if he did that. <laughs> just workshop the hell out of every game from March to May. Because it's not real football, right? As we've seen from Chip Kelly, real football is only that which is played between, like, September 20th and November 30th. Everything else is preseason, and everything after that is postseason. 
and they haven't had a postseason. Um, Dave, I have to tell you, I'm sensing a little bit of uh, despair and maybe some nihilism to to your voice in this today. I don't know anyone out there who's not experiencing a little bit of despair and nihilism right now. Yeah. 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 That's the state. Have you been reading a lot of like Nietzsche lately? No, no, I haven't. I've just been staring into the abyss. God is Um, dead. According to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. Certainly not around here. These parts any longer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, this is not a subject. (laughs) Yeah. Damn, why did I do that? Because I already sent you ready to go like outside the rails right now and I just I'm not, I, I've, been, I've been circumspect. I have been minding my P's and or Q's. Okay. I'm we got glad. one more thing to talk about, Tracy. What's that, Dave? Uh, another little bright spot. Devin Kirkwood. <laughs> See, just there, the way you the way you headlined that, that that I sensed I sense real despair. But would, it's okay. No, no, no. Okay. It's a, it's a sort of um uh gleeful fatalism. Right. Okay. I'll take that. You need to write a book. Gleeful fatalism. It's pretty good. Uh Devin Kirkwood. Uh we are talking about Devin because if you did see our boy Greg Biggins, his uh, he wrote a story. Ten players out west we're, we have on flop, flip watch, flop, fl- flop, flip, flip flop watch, uh, bubble up flip watch. <laughs> uh, and our our boy Devin Kirkwood is on that list. ASU has been putting a lot of pressure on him. He played his. Uh, seven-on-seven ball with Armand Hawkins, who is the dad of Chris Hawkins, the DB coach at ASU. Some connections there. Um, We've all known that he could flip. I mean, we're not hearing anything recently right now, but uh, I can tell you that uh, we contacted all 12 of UCLA's committed recruits for 2021 to ask them when they plan to sign. Are they signing in, let's say, if there's a signing period in December, they keep that one, are you signing then or in a later signing period? You know, we got various answers, and I won't give a ball away because we do have a story coming, but I will give this away. We cannot get a hold of Devin Kirkwood. He's, he's not – we reached out, and he's not responding. That seems I don't know. I don't know if that's a sign. It might be that he just doesn't get back to people. Trapped under but, something heavy? <laughs> when Harry met Sally. <laughs> good reference dave yeah that's Bring an it. optimistic movie dave sure okay that's yeah. a good let's 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 end this on when harry met sally <laughs> okay well tracy will have what you're having out there everyone yes yes everyone should go watch when harry met sally that's what i suggest it's an uplifting movie is it is an uplifting movie well tracy you got anything else no i think that's a good place to end it joyful podcast full of laughs full of good times full of tomfoolery all right well everyone out there for tracy pearson i'm david woods brewing report online the ucla site on the 24 7 sports network and we will talk to you again next time everyone stay safe